With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over the big win against the Indianapolis Colts, and we're going to preview the upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. What a huge, decisive win against the Colts. What a resilient roster, and what a surprise that we have at the quarterback position with Jake Browning. We're climbing the ladder. We're working our way into the playoffs. And the Cincinnati Bengals will be playing relevant football deep into December. All right, so let's start this episode with talking about Jake Browning. What a story to be on the practice squad and basically an NFL afterthought to get waived by the Vikings, picked up by the Bengals. Even us Bengal fans didn't know who he was and didn't really think there was any kind of future there. And he took advantage of his opportunities. He knew he had a good coaching staff and a good offense, and he comes from a good pedigree of, of playing a lot of relevant football through high school and college. And here he is, seizing the moment, energizing us Bengal fans and keeping hope alive, building a great career for himself, you know, no matter what happens with him with Cincinnati, and hopefully he takes us really deep into the playoffs this year and beyond, he's now a marketable quarterback who's going to make a name for himself and make a lot of money in this league. And the way he's playing, it's very well deserved. And truthfully, I think it's sustainable. I know when you see a guy like this, it's like, is he a one-hit wonder? Is the league going to catch up to him? You know, why didn't we know about this guy before this? He's playing well. He's showing attributes of a good quarterback. I mean, he's he's got... I talked about this last episode. I'm going to recite some of the stuff that I saw watching him again. And this is stuff that isn't just luck or scheming or good fortune or lightning in a bottle that isn't going to last. I mean, he's got some really good qualities. So let's review some of them very quickly. He's got poise. He's calm in the pocket. He's making all the correct reads. He's accurate. His completion percentage is high. He's got great bounce in the pocket and footwork. I mean, there was one play where I just saw him doing exactly like Burrow would have. That nice bounce, staying light on your feet, and no wasted footwork. You see it all with this guy. Good movement, 
throwing well on the run, keeping his eyes downfield despite pressure. You know, that's a sign of an inexperienced quarterback or a gun-shy quarterback when they see the rush and they don't see anything beyond that or they just, you know, force it to their first read because they're afraid to take a hit. He's none of those things. He's got good velocity on the ball. He's spreading the ball around. I mean, nine different receivers caught the ball, I think, in the last two games. So he's not just zeroing in on one guy and depending on one guy. He's executing the game plan and keeping it diverse and integrating everybody. He's good on play action, and that's when you have your back turned to the defense. So you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself and be able to process information quickly. You know, when you turn around, boom, get that ball off because everyone's coming at you. He's playing well on important drives at the end of halves, at the end of games, at the end of quarters. Not afraid to throw over the middle and to the far left, to the far left hash. He's got great timing on screen passes. He's just wise beyond his three starts. I just can't believe that we've had this diamond in the rough and didn't know it. And he is saving our season right now. He's hungry, and he learned from watching the best. He learned from Joe Burrow, Coach Taylor, Coach Pitcher, Coach Callahan. He's got a great support team behind him. And he's just taking this and running with it. And if you think about all the things I just said, this can be sustainable. And I never thought I would see it, but the team is winning without Joe Burrow. Not to say that, you know, if Burrow wasn't here, we would be at the top of the league right now rather than climbing our way up. But it is what it is. Joe Burrow is not going to be here until next year, and we'll welcome him back with open arms. But in the meantime, we have to put our faith in Browning and the other players on this roster. And it's a talented roster. You know, you take every level. You have an Orlando Brown, you have a Kappa, you have a Karras. Browning is playing well. Mixon, Higgins, Chase, Boyd. It's a, the, the rookies, it's, it's a loaded team. You go to the defensive side of the ball, straight across that defensive line. Hendrickson, Reeder, Hill, Hubbard. The linebackers are playing Pro Bowl level with Wilson and Pratt. You have that secondary. Awuzie is, is a top-flight corner. Turner is has an excellent game. If Cam Taylor-Britt was here... You know, you would see another great corner in there. Dax Hill, the light went on. Jordan Battle's playing well for a rookie. We have a great kicker in McPherson. You know, it's a loaded roster. And right now we're getting exceptional quarterback play. We have exceptional coaching. It's a unified team that plays for each other. There's no selfish guys on this team. There's no distractions in the locker room. And we have our young players playing well and getting valuable experience. So this is a, a total win. It's a 7-6 and six team. It's not how we pictured it, but we didn't picture Joe Burrow going down midway through the season as well. So here we are, and at this point in time, I'm going to say that everything is very positive. And, you know, the team has stayed relatively healthy. And I know when you lose your starting quarterback, you almost feel snake-bitten. So you have Burrow and Cam Taylor-Britt that aren't here. And that's a top-flight defender and the best quarterback in the league. But you think about the rest of the roster, there haven't been many other prominent players that have gone on injured reserve or missed significant time. So staying healthy is one of the keys to succeeding in the NFL. And the Cincinnati Bengals are doing just that. So everything is in place right here. You know, we'll, we'll go to the playoff picture now. So we're 7-6. and six. And it's one of those things where, you know, you can see us winning 10 games. I think we're going to have to win 10 minimum, maybe 11, because of those six conference losses. That's the only thing that hurts us. You have the Vikings coming up. Then you're at Steelers, at Chiefs, home against the Browns. Not an easy game in the bunch. If I said we would win two of them, I don't know if anyone would argue with me. If I said that Browning's going to continue playing this way and we're going to win three of them, I don't know if anyone would argue with me there either. It's going to be tough to sweep all four, 
but we do have a loss to give, and I think 10-7 and seven will put us in the mix. The only problem is we're competing against teams that have less AFC losses than us. All right, so I'm not going to go over every team that we're competing with for the wild card schedule. That's going to be too much to throw at you guys. It's going to just sound like calculus. But, you know, you have the Browns, Steelers, Colts, Texans, Broncos, and Bills. And all those teams, for the most part, are playing each other. I would say the Broncos have the easiest schedule of the bunch. And the Browns are, you know, two games up on us right now. But we do play them head-to-head. But if you look at the conference losses, so just bear with me on this. The Broncos and the Bills have five each there. So if they get one more conference loss and we don't lose in the conference, we can catch those guys. Everyone else, the Browns have three conference losses. That's going to be hard. They play the Texans, Jets, and us, so they would have to lose all of those for us to get the tiebreaker over them. So you might be looking at the Browns getting in and us battling for those last two spots. The Steelers have a tough schedule. They have four conference losses. The Colts have four conference losses. The Texans have four conference losses. So unless we just win out and go 11-6, and six, which will get us in, if we win 10 games, we're going to need two conference losses out of the Steelers, Colts, and Texans, at least, and another conference loss out of the Broncos and Bills. I know it sounds complicated, and when you look at it that way, the path to us making the playoffs is winning out, and I know that's a tall order, but if you want to go to where you want to go, that's what you're probably going to have to do right now because we're not going to have the tiebreaker over most of these teams unless there's a total collapse. All right, on to some observations from the game. I love James Lofton, and he was talking about Jeff Ruby's during the game, and that just makes me hungry. That's a great place. The steaks and the lobster and that whole menu. All right, on to the game. Our young secondary continues to get action and play well. You know, regardless of where we go this season, your Dax Hills and your Jordan Battles and your Turners are getting sharpened up for the future. So if we go to the playoffs and, and do what we want this year, it's great. If we don't, at least those guys are now battle-tested and ready for a dynasty. The Colts, six points on offense. Zach Moss, who's been eating up the NFL, got 28 yards. Their tight ends, which has been an Achilles heel for us, 8 for 66 on the day. So, I mean, we just shut down that offense. Our defense is rallying to the ball. There's a little bit of a bend-don't-break mentality, but we always seem to get the turnover or the key stop and, in this case, just ultimately shut down an offense. And then you go to what we're doing on offense. If I told you that Chase Boyd and Higgins would combine for only seven receptions between the three of them in a game, but we would still put up 34 points, you probably wouldn't believe me, but that's exactly what happened this game. And you had Nixon with that 45-yard screen, Kappa, Volson, Higgins blocking downfield, perfectly timed by Browning, the huge catch and run by Chase Brown, which I heard was the second fastest that anyone in the NFL has run this year. It was like 22 point something miles an hour. Just incredible. I'm glad there's a fifth-round pick that's, that's coming alive at the right spot in the season. So then we're up 7 nothing with that catch by Brown. We went to kick the field goal, and it was made, and we did what they say to never do, and we took points off the board because of two Colts penalties. And that put us inside the five. Ultimately, Joe Mixon forces his way into the end zone, 14 nothing Bengals. And there we are, 14 nothing. It's like a third and one or something. We stop the Colts in their own territory, but Hendrickson gets that roughing call, which they're just calling on everyone, and you cannot fault Trey Hendrickson 
on anything that happens this year, and especially the way he played in this game. So what happens, 14-0, that penalty gives them new life, and now they're down 14-7. Next drive, we have this crazy pick six where Browning's going to Hudson, throws it a little bit behind him. Defensive back makes a great play and a great run after INT, and now it's 14-14. You know, when it was 14-0, I was like, oh, this game's over. And at the blink of an eye, and I think they said in a 25-second span, it was now 14-14 going into halftime. But what happens after halftime? The Bengals coaching staff takes over with those halftime adjustments. We drive down on our first drive for a touchdown to Tanner Hudson, 21-14. The Anarumo adjustments is what we're going to call them. We bury the Colts. They don't score anything for the rest of the game. My boy Mark Walters, friend of the show, the third down guy, you know him well, is there flipping that towel around like a maniac on TV. Love to see it. We get a fourth and one on the four, and we go for it. You know, that's analytics, and that's the confidence of this team. On fourth down, we're just not afraid to go for it. And on that play, Orlando Brown destroys the defensive end. Mixon gets the first down. That leads to a Jake Browning rushing touchdown, his second in a row, two weeks in a row, 28-14. Browning gets the thumb cramp. We all think it's a broken thumb, and we're cursed. He gets the IV, goes into the locker room, comes back out. In the meantime, DJ Ivy has a push of the blocker into the punt returner, causes a fumble, recovers the punt. That leads to a field goal. Huge play by Ivy. Great to see him contribute. And now, you know, here we are down the stretch. And you have your Chase Browns and your DJ Ivies making huge plays. So it's nice to get that, that second wave of players going for us. So that leads to 31-14. Then you have Hendrickson coming alive again, hitting the throwing arm of Gardner Minshew. B.J. Hill gets another interception, just like that one against the Chiefs in that miraculous AFC Championship game from a couple years back. That leads to a field goal, 34-14. Bengals' second half over the Colts, 20 to nothing in the second half. That's resilience, that's coaching, that's endurance, that's a good team, and that's a dominant win. All right, let's go over some offensive performances outside of Jake Browning. A.J. McCarron comes into a Bengal game. It's his first action in years, and it's his first action with the Bengals since that big run for the Bengals leading us into the playoffs in 2015. He almost had the touchdown pass to Higgins. It was a nice throw. Higgins, unfortunately, pushed off, which prevented that touchdown. But it was nice to see that McCarron could get us in the end zone when needed. I have faith in him as a backup. One thing I did see, I didn't see, I think he only threw two passes, if, if I'm not mistaken. And I didn't see a lot of velocity. There was one where he tossed it, and I was like, oh, he's got to put a little bit more on the ball than that. And I'm sure he's got it in him. You don't just lose that. You know, I'm getting up there in years, and I still have a rocket for an arm, so I have no doubt that A.J. McCarron still has zip on that ball. Joe Mixon, run game, pass game, another touchdown, great in space. He just has that vision and field awareness of a great running back, and we know him. You know, just fearless out there and having the vision and knowing just where to go and the spatial awareness. Mixon, tough running. He helped control the clock in this game. Jamar Chase, I'm going to quote James Lofton again on him. He referred to it as contact balance, and I love that. You see that in running backs where they're just hard to take down. And Chase has that same aspect. You know, some wide receivers are a little bit leaner or, or not as evenly proportioned. 
Chase just has a great center of gravity, and I love that term, contact balance. And then James Lufton was making a big deal out of Chase running a comeback, a route that you don't see as much anymore, or a lot of guys don't call it that. That's from where I'm from, that's what you call that route. And Chase did it perfectly, where you're running full speed down the field, you stop at a dime, you come back a yard or two, the quarterback zips it into your gut, or you catch it with your hands like you should. And Chase was okay with having a three-reception game. He was selfless, he wasn't pouting, he was happy to be winning, and he's okay with blocking and being a decoy. And over the course of the game, I think he surpassed his all-time receptions, so he's just having a monster year, as we all knew he would. And he's probably really grateful that he has a, a competent quarterback throwing to him after Burrow went down. And T. Higgins, every time I'm going to talk about him, I'm going to say, please don't lose this guy. It will change everything. And I see it all over Twitter. Even accounts and and people that I respect are talking about the trade value for Higgins and just keep him on the roster. Franchise tag him next year. Do whatever you have to do. Maybe you let Boyd go. It sounds so sacrilegious, but... Just do anything you can to keep Higgins. It's a different team without him in the lineup. And I see it. I hope that you guys see it. I hope the organization sees it. Because it's easy to say, well, we, we don't want to pay him an upwards of 20 plus million. You know, let's just trade him and get some picks for him. You never know how those picks are going to turn out. We have a proven commodity. And if you have Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, your offense is always going to be electric. Find a way to keep him, Mr. Tobin, please. Higgins makes a great adjustment on that 46-yard reception. Very acrobatic, high-pointing. He was also blocking so much in this game, and he had the touchdown wiped out by a penalty. So, again, not a huge stat game for Higgins, but remember, on the unofficial Bengals podcast, we don't care about stats. Higgins contributed highly to this win, and he contributes highly to the greatness of this team. And now our secret weapon, Chase Brown, a playmaker. Big play ability. Fresh legs. Here he is, a mid-season reinforcement that hasn't taken a pounding. In both games this year where he had snaps from scrimmage, he made big plays. He's got exceptional speed, as we saw. He's got good moves. Remember that juke right before he got to the end zone on that long touchdown reception? He's got the field awareness of a great running back like we talked about. He's explosive receiving out of the backfield, and he's strong rushing the ball. So we just have another great option at running back here at the time where we need it the most. Tanner Hudson had his first touchdown. He also had a leaping catch for a first down in the third quarter. We need to make this guy our tight end number one. We just didn't think it was on the roster. We were hoping that Irv Smith could replace Hayden Hurst or a committee of guys could get it done. And we're getting decent play out of the tight ends, but we're getting exceptional play out of Tanner Hudson, who's going to be a free agent. And you're not going to have to back up the Brinks truck to get this guy. That's tough to say, back up the Brinks truck. But he's not going to require a huge salary, but you're going to have to throw a couple million at this guy to keep him around, and it's very well-deserved. And another diamond in the rough. I mean, think about it. Dax Hill, you know, first-round pick, but we weren't sure how he was going to perform. DJ Turner, second-round pick, wasn't sure about him. Jake Browning, we thought practice squatter for life. Tanner Hudson... I bet you there's some diehard Bengal fans that didn't even know his name. And look at all four of these guys contributing and rising to the top of the league, contributing to wins and, and helping this team so much. It's really exciting to get these surprises. And of course we have our superstars that are playing well, but to get the contributions from guys like this is just amazing. You have Drew Sample, 
blocking out of the backfield, the new thing that we're using with him, and he's found that role, and that's going to probably keep him around next year as well. They're probably going to sign him to a contract because it's now a bodyguard for Browning and ultimately a bodyguard for Joe Burrow. I'm liking the fact that the offensive staff put him to a different use, and he's excelling in that role. And if you look when we're in the red zone and down near the goal line, they put Yosivash in there. And I guess it's because of his jumping ability and his size and his athleticism. But he has now become a goal line wide receiver. I know he hasn't had much action and any receptions in the last few games. But if you look at that package, that's where he's at. And they believe in him there. And that's why he's got a couple touchdowns on the year. Offensive line, all of them are playing very well. Even Jonah. I mean, that sounds so bad to say. But they've been great the last couple games. Great protection. The run blocking in the last two games has been incredible. The timing and the coordination of screens. I'm very impressed with this offensive line. I think Volson's playing so well right now. We know about Kappa and Karras. Orlando Brown is the superstar. And like I said, Jonah's holding his own right now. So, so knock on wood. Cross your fingers. If this line keeps playing like this, we're going to be fine this year and in the long run. All right, defensively, Hendrickson's Pro Bowl career and year continues. He's so fiery, so dominant. He's our defensive MVP right now. It's not the same defense without him in there. Game wrecker. He dominated a very good Colts offensive line. Two sacks, a forced fumble, multiple pressures. He forced a tripping call, which is just as good as a sack. So just contributing constantly and being like our Miles Garrett and our TJ Watt. We have that in Hendrickson, and it's... You need one of those if you want to compete in today's NFL. Worth every penny. And if you look at what Carl Lawson has done with the Jets, mostly injured, very minimal production. And that was the choice that we made a couple years back. And Mr. Tobin, you made the correct choice. And then you have Hill versus Ogunjobi. I always go to that. That was the choices as well. And B.J. Hill has just been dominant. He's dominant against the run. He's great in pass rush. He had an interception this game. He is just coming to life. You have Reader shutting down the run, an exceptional nose tackle. Doesn't get the glory of the other guys, but he's one of the most key guys on that defense. You had Cam Sample with another half sack, so it's nice to see him get some numbers, which will hopefully increase his value as his career progresses, and he's a great rotational guy. Jermaine Pratt, Pro Bowl level. He is playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's not going to get it because they grandfather other guys in. But another game with 10 tackles. He had a half a sack. He had a couple tackles for losses. He's all over the field. When you watch, if there's anything in the middle of the field, it seems that Jermaine Pratt is in on that play. It's like he's in on almost every tackle. Logan Wilson, 10 tackles. A pass breakup in the end zone. I know it hit his helmet, so it sounds more glamorous than it actually was. But a pass breakup in the end zone is just as good as a turnover. He had a goal line stop, and you know he's got the range and the speed. His coverage has been a little lackluster the last few weeks, but I'm not worried about Logan Wilson. He is a Pro Bowl linebacker, just like Jermaine Pratt. Can you believe this? A couple years back, we were just linebackerless, and a long history of, of getting guys in there as free agents near the end of their career that just didn't pan out. And then we have these two third-rounders that... Both of them took about a year or so to, to get their legs underneath them. And now we have this all-star linebacker tandem. It's just really nice to see. And speaking of linebackers, I like what they've done with Akeem Davis-Gaither. He, he's got nice speed. He's, he's a role player and a third-down linebacker and a special teams guy. So, you know, even though he's not doing what Pratt and Wilson are doing, 
He's a valuable player on this roster, and I love when you have guys that have a niche like that. Dax Hill, good in coverage, very active against both the pass and the run. Awuzie and Turner and Hilton played another great game. Hilton, again, making a big play in the backfield. DJ Ivy got some snaps from scrimmage, which was nice to see. He had a nice pass breakup, and of course the big special teams play. And when you think about it, what a draft that we had. I know we're still waiting for Miles Murphy to shine, but think about the contributions of this rookie class. DJ Turner is has become a starting, very effective corner. Jordan Battle has worked his way into the starting lineup, and he's very productive and looks like he's going to be a long-term starter. You have Charlie Jones not playing much from scrimmage, but we have a threatening punt returner. Even though he hasn't broke one, Charlie, you got to stop doing the side-to-side. You know, hit it and go upfield. But still a guy that has contributed and will contribute. Yosivash has a couple touchdowns, and you can see him being a, a big contributor as the years go by. We have a new punter in Robbins who looks like he's going to stick around. Chase Brown is coming alive and, I mean, just playing electric lately. And then you have the big game by DJ Ivy. So what a, what a great job by this rookie class. And if they continue to play like this, it's going to be one of the best drafts in our history. And it's going to contribute to being a great team. You need to draft well. Because veteran players and free agents get expensive, and it's unsustainable. And if you have rookies on rookie contracts contributing and playing at a high level, that's the key to going to the playoffs year after year. And it looks like we got that. Special teams, Robbins had another solid game. McPherson had another perfect game. Great coverage by the coverage teams. You had the big Ivy play. And Adamitis continues to be perfect. He did have two high snaps but still nothing unplayable and still perfect, so I'm not worried about him as well. So that's it. A huge victory against the Colts where we look dominant. We're playing a Vikings team, which I'm going to go over in a minute, that is struggling a little bit. I mean, if Justin Jefferson comes back, that's going to be a little bit scary, but Dobbs has come down to earth, and, you know, just take it one week at a time, one win at a time, and you climb your way to 10, 11 wins, and you go into the playoffs with a head of steam. Because I'm not fearing any of these teams. Miami just lost to the Titans. The Chiefs cried their way over a loss to Buffalo. And they're not the same team as they used to be. Browns, they give us trouble. But they don't have a quarterback. Jaguars, we just beat. Texans, they, ha- they had a hot streak. And I don't know what's going on with them the last couple weeks. Everyone is beatable once you get there. Miami, all of them. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, so a quick preview of the upcoming game against the Vikings. And I love talking about the Bengals, and I'm not an authority on all the other teams. So I'd like to just make this quick and not act like I'm an expert on every team in the NFL. But, you know, I, I see, I watch a lot of games. I see what these teams are doing. And, you know, I go over their players and do some research on it. But in all reality, I don't know any team like I know the Bengals, but I do know the Bengals. All right, Vikings coaching staff, Kevin O'Connell, head coach. I really like him. I just like the way he carries himself. He's a good leader. I can see him being there for another decade. It's just he seems to do everything right. He has those guys playing hard. Even when they, they took a nosedive at the beginning of the year, they went on a, on a nice run. And I just like the way he presents himself. You know, he's cool, he's calm, he's intelligent, and he seems to be a very good leader. So they have a great head coach there in the making. And you have Wes Phillips as the offensive coordinator, and you have Brian Flores, old friend, as the defensive coordinator. And that's why that defense is playing so well. So let's quickly go into their rankings. And like I said, I don't care about yards. I care about points for and points against. So in scoring, points per game, they're 21st in the league. So they're not a big-time offense. They're scoring 20.5 points a game. Their passing game is better than their running game. Defensively, they're fifth in the league, only letting up 18.6 points a game. And they're fifth against the run as well. So you have an offense that's okay and will be much better with Justin Jefferson in there. And you have a defense that's playing lights out under Brian Flores. Offensively, Josh Dobbs takes over for the injured Kirk Cousins. He came in and was great his first couple weeks. He's come down to earth a little bit. So hopefully we get the Josh Dobbs of the last few weeks. Justin Jefferson, I'm not sure if he's playing, but he's on the road to coming back, and he is a threat. He is their Jamar Chase. He is someone that can take over a game, and he's someone that if he's there, you have to double cover him every play. So that takes away from your defensive playbook. So I don't know if he's playing or not. I hope he isn't. They have Addison, the speed receiver, and they also have Osborne, and they have a major tight end threat in Hawkinson, who came over from the Lions, and he's just one of the top tight ends in the league. So if you get too preoccupied with Jefferson up top, Hawkinson can light you up underneath. And I know we've had our problems with tight ends, even though we shut down the Colts' tight ends, but the Colts don't have great tight ends. So Logan Wilson, Jordan Battle, Mike Hilton, the rest of the crew, you're going to have to buckle down because Hawkinson can also take over a game. Madison is a speed back. They use a fullback with Ham, who's been around forever. Offensive line, they're good at the tackles, they're a little bit weak inside. They have Darasaw at left tackle, Risner, Bradbury, and Brandall filling in. So they're a little bit weaker inside there. And Brian O'Neill is having a good year at right tackle. So they're vulnerable up the middle, and that probably explains why they're not that great of a rushing team. So, And you're also going to have Hendrickson on Darasaw. So I don't care. You put Hendrickson against anybody, and I like our chances there. So their best offensive lineman is going to be lined up against him most of the time. And that kind of neutralizes their best offensive lineman. So the keys when we're on offense, you have to contain Jefferson. You have to double-team him. You have to build Belichick out, as I say, every week and just make sure that he doesn't beat you and let them try to beat you elsewhere. As the number two, you have to worry about Hawkinson, as I just said. Let's go by committee. Let's figure out a plan to, to not let him run down the seam or get in between the zone and, and light us up for 20-yard chunk plays. They have great speed with Addison and Madison, so you can't sleep on either one of those guys. You just have to maintain your, your lanes, maintain your gaps. Don't let them get around the end. 
I say you frustrate Dobbs early because he's struggling right now. So if he comes out with a couple three and outs or a turnover, it's going to be hard for him to turn that around because he, he's been sinking the last couple weeks. So that's a big key is is getting on him very quickly. And Trey Hendrickson is just a doctor for that order. And let's have Hill and Reader destroy that interior of the offensive line. Let's make him one-dimensional. Let's make him have to throw to Jefferson and Hawkinson to try to move the ball. And then we can you know, load up the back end. And I, I think that's very possible with our linebacker play and the dominance of Hill and Reader over that interior Vikings offensive line. Defensively, you have Daniel Hunter on the left defensive end. And then you have a bunch of guys that are playing kind of mediocre. Even though that defense is strong, it's really like Hunter is their main force out there. They bring in Phillips as the nose tackle, and they have Jones and Day also along that line. But no really big threats. So I think if you can find a way to contain Hunter, and I think Orlando Brown should do pretty well against him, and if not, you help him out a little bit, I think we can neutralize that pass rush and give Browning some time to find these receivers downfield. Pace is playing great at the linebacker position. Dye is playing pretty well as well. And they stay in there for both rushing and passing down. So, you know, you have to watch these guys. Pace can make some big plays on you. Secondary, you have Evans, Metellus, and Murphy. Metellus is good in the slot. The two outside guys are a little bit more vulnerable. They have great safeties in Byram and Smith. Harrison Smith, that veteran, I thought his career and his game was going down a little bit, but he seems to be playing pretty well. I think there's some vulnerability there as well. But So they have a good safety tandem. They have a great pass rusher. They have some good linebackers, and everyone else is pretty much solid there. So it's a very good defense. I still think we're going to put points on the board against these guys. And what are the keys to doing that? One, you unleash Chase and Higgins on those outside corners. Chase and Higgins versus Evans and Murphy. I know they're going to double-team Chase, but I like our odds on that matchup right there. You contain Hunter. You do whatever you can. I, like I said, I think Brown is going to do all right there. Hunter's probably going to get a sack, have a couple pressures, but I don't think he's going to Micah Parsons the game and, and just change the whole game. Brown and Mixon, with the way this run defense is playing for the Vikings, I don't know how much hay is going to be made there, but you can't abandon the run game but you can also get those guys out of the backfield and in space and do a lot of damage there. So that's probably the best way to use these guys, in addition to having a decent run-pass mix, because even if the run's not working, you need to rest your defense, you need to have time of possession, and you need for them just not to be like teeing off on Browning because they know you're dropping back every play. Another key is I want us to self-scout the Jake Browning tape because the league is going to start seeing his tendencies and I want the Bengals to do exactly what they think their opponents are going to do and say, you know what, we're doing a lot of this and this with him. Let's start doing this and this this week. And I think that's a great way to get an edge on an opponent who's going to be really relying on their, their game film and saying, oh, you know what, we, we cracked the code on this guy. So you know what, change the code. And with their lack of depth and quality corners, I say you use Irwin more and Yosivash more this game. Let's get four wides out there. Let's occasionally get five wides. And, you know, you're going to have Chase and Higgins winning their matchups, but I think that Irwin and Yosivash can also win matchups underneath as well. So let's let's spread it out. Let's use everybody, you know, a couple running backs, a couple tight ends. I don't know if it's going to be a big tight end game. I don't know if it's going to be a big Tyler Boyd game. I don't know if it's going to be a big rushing game out of Nixon. But there's a lot of other weapons. That's the great part about us. We have so many weapons. And with those weapons, the Bengals are going to go on to a 20-13 to victory against Minnesota. We're going to go to 8-6. and 
and the league is going to continue talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, as will I. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.